Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family, and thanks for joining us as we continue our family Bible studies in the Gospel of Matthew. And today's the second part of a little mini-series we are doing in Matthew chapter 11, and we're talking about raising children to know God. Our last episode, episode 447, I introduced the topic of Matthew chapter 11, and I told you about Catholic parents who have contacted me, who have sent their child to good Catholic schools or homeschooled them, uh, did everything they possibly could, tried to attend a solid parish and everything else, and not just one or two, but have uh, several of their children just as they got older, just walked away from the faith. And these parents in contacting me, I talked about one accountant wanted to pay me an accountant's fee for whatever time I gave him to explain. He wanted, <laughs> what could we do differently? And when I got done, he was a smart man. He was very eager, a very dedicated Catholic dad. And this has happened more than once. And when I got done explaining and trying to share what I thought was a key element, namely really knowing God, not just knowing about God, not just being acquainted with religious facts about God, but at the core of your being, knowing God, uh, I must say, I don't think he got it. And so what I would suggest, and I don't think I've ever done this in years of broadcasting, that last episode in Matthew 11, if you're a parent and you have younger children around the house, I would recommend you listen to that episode, it's 30 minutes, seven times. <laughs> you're out of your mind. No, I'm not out of my mind. Um, you, you know, uh, the odds are not in your favor, mom and dad, with about half of all Catholics, some say a lot more than half of young Catholic adults are walking away from their faith. And according to a Pew Research survey, there's about 7% of Catholic millennials who are still actively practicing their faith. And how is that defined? You go to weekly mass, you pray at least a few times a week, and regard your faith as something that's very important. If your faith isn't very important, it's not important because that's what faith is. It's the center of your life. So why would you want to listen to it seven times? Because I'm saying some highly motivated, bright, dedicated Catholic parents wanted to know what I was trying to share, and I don't think they got it. They were trying to add something to their to-do list of whatever it would be to get their kids to continue in the faith. And again, when I say seven times, you can be listening while you go about your housework or while you're driving. And a lot of times, uh, I like to listen to certain things, an audio book, for instance, or something that I've already read, and, and you'll all of a sudden catch something that you didn't get while you were reading, or sometimes you're listening to something and then you read it again. It's, it's reinforcing because this is the center. The Catechism of the Catholic Church begins with this sentence, uh, this is eternal life, that they may know you, Jesus Christ, 
and him who God has sent. That's from John chapter 17. Eternal life, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and that's in the first sentence of the prologue to the Catechism, knowing God is at the center of inheriting eternal life. So let's talk more about knowing God, because I'm discerning that this is a prime cause for the falling away of young people, lack of knowing God. And again, not just knowing about God. A lot of young Catholics knew about God, and then they walked away. If the knowledge of God permeates the core of your being, uh, you're not going to walk away. God will keep you. Let's go back to that key text in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank thee, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to babes. Yea, Father, for such was thy gracious will. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And here's our invitation. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right. I have three questions for you after reading that passage. Again, this is the same passage we hit last episode. This is so important because here we're kind of taken into the relationship, the private relationship between Jesus and God the Father. These two know each other, Trinitarian knowledge of each other, and Jesus is inviting us to participate in that relationship with his Father. But here's three questions. Uh, They're all related questions relating to this passage in Matthew 11. First of all, what does it mean to learn things that are hidden from the wise and understanding? I told you that Parents who called me asking, wanted to pay me for the answer, and I tried to give them an answer, and they didn't get it. And I think part of that reason, it was perhaps too simple. Um, It had to be complicated, and it had to be something strenuous because they tried a number of things that weren't working. Second question, what does it mean that Jesus's yoke is gentle, giving rest for your soul? What does that mean? And third question, what does it mean that a relationship with God and truly knowing God involves a light burden versus a heavy burden? Okay, now, to answer all three of these related questions, you only need to know one thing, one single thing. And again, I'm asking you to read several times. Uh, That's one of the reasons I want you to listen to episode 447, seven times. Why? Because you want this to permeate your mind and your heart, Matthew chapter 11. But to get to the core of what's going on, this rest for your soul, this gentle yoke, 
light burden. You only need to know one single thing. And here's it, here it is, and it's not complicated. When Jesus taught this, and when St. Matthew wrote his gospel, there were no chapter divisions between chapter 11 and chapter 12. There was no such thing as chapter divisions. They came, I'm not exactly sure what it is, I think it was centuries later. So when you were reading the original gospel of Matthew, you would go from what we just read at the end of chapter 11, and the next paragraph connected to it would be chapter 12. In other words, chapters 11 and 12 go together. There were no chapter divisions, and chapter divisions can be very helpful in finding your way around the Bible and all that, but sometimes they can separate things in your mind that belong together. So what's in chapter 12 that would go along with what Jesus taught about knowing God and people who are laboring and are heavy laden and struggling uh, under a load of commandments and things like that? What was Jesus talking about? Well, as you go to the next paragraph, Matthew 12, 1, it says, Jesus was going through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and they were hungry, he and his disciples, so they plucked some heads of grain and were just eating. It was kind of like a on-the-go, working lunch, so to speak. But when the Pharisees saw that, they said, look what your disciples are doing. It's not lawful to pick grain on the Sabbath. And after that, remember, we're going on now. This is a continuing thought from what we just read in chapter 11. Then Jesus riled them up quite a bit more, and they went into a synagogue, a holy place, okay? And a man had a withered hand, and Jesus said to them, is it okay to heal a person on the Sabbath? And he says, if you have a sheep, for instance, and the sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you lift it out? So if you do that to a sheep, can you do this to a person? And so he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And a man stretched it out, and it was restored. And it says in verse 14 of Matthew 12, but the Pharisees went out and took counsel how to destroy him. And I tried to look up that word destroy in the original language, and yes, it's kill him, but it was just like they got so mad at Jesus healing a man and his disciples in the course of doing their ministry, picking a few ears of corn and eating it on the Sabbath and healing on the Sabbath, they were ready to kill Jesus. And you know, sometimes our additions to the commandments become more important than the commandments, and it obscures everything. And let me explain what I'm, I'm talking about. The commandment to rest one day in seven, to rest and worship, is part of the law of Moses, but even before the law of Moses, the pattern of rest and worship began in the Garden of Eden. This is a part of our creation. So this, this is part of something valid for all times. And I call this the core commandment. Any person or family that rests and worships 
one day in seven, takes a different type of schedule for that day, is going to be blessed. They're going to have an orientation for their outlook in life. It's going to be different from other people. And I call that the core of the commandment. But what had happened in Jesus's day is that they misused the good commandment. They added all kinds of minute regulations on top of the general core commandment to rest and worship one day out of seven. That's good. But the fact that you couldn't heal in a synagogue somebody who's suffering, that you couldn't eat in the course of doing ministry, uh, that was just like way over the top. And this is what had happened, is that the Pharisees loaded on top of a good core commandment all these burdensome regulations. And according to the Navarre Bible, a Catholic study Bible, a good one, it says that the Pharisees weighed them down with an endless series of petty regulations. Now, here are two related verses to Matthew 12. And remember, Matthew 12 is first cousins of Matthew 11. The first related verse to this is still in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 4. Jesus was talking to the scribes and about the scribes and Pharisees, and he said that they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with their finger. So this is, again, the same thing. It's, it's a burdensome legalism, rules and regulations put on top of core commandments, which are good, which ended up just wearing people down. And there's a second related verse, very important verse, in Acts 15. Acts 15 is the Council of Jerusalem. Now, this was probably one of the key moments in the entire history of the world. I wouldn't be talking to you. You probably wouldn't be listening to me. We'd probably be pagans worshiping some kind of idols or something because the whole future of Christianity and its expansion beyond the Jewish nation to the entire Gentile world depended on what was decided in Acts 15. And this critical first church council was deciding, do we keep the core morality, uh, laws, morals, or do we have to load up a lot of regulations on top of that? And in Acts 15, verse 10, It says, now, therefore, why do you make a trial of God by putting a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? Again, this is going right back to Matthew 11, which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. In other words, it's an unbearable form of Judaism or Christianity to take good commandments and put a lot of regulations, a lot of weight on somebody without a means of carrying them. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And it's not a free-for-all, you know, don't worry about commandments and such, but it's, it's, it's putting stuff on top of people's backs that they're unable to bear. And then the Council of Jerusalem concluded, we believe 
that we shall be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. Now, let me tell you something about human beings. And I'm speaking as a former evangelical pastor, I've been a Catholic for over three decades, and this applies to both Protestants and Catholics. This applies to human beings. Um, it is my experience, consistent experience, that each of us has a faulty switch somewhere in our brain. And the faulty switch in our brain keeps flipping. Like some of you have an appliance or whatever in your home that keeps flipping the breaker off and you have to go turn the breaker back on. And we've got that problem in our brain because when you hear this question, the brain switches off the right answer. And here's the question. To me, it's one of the most important questions you can ask your children and teach your children, and you can ask yourself and teach yourself, and it's this question. God loves me because fill in the blank and put a question mark at the end of it. Why does God love you? And there's two basic answers. Uh, he loves me because he loves me period. That's incomprehensible to human beings, and it, 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 it flips our switch all the time. And so then we, when the switch is flipped, we go back, God loves me because I do stuff. That's what Jesus was talking about, the heavy burden. That's what Jesus talked about again in Matthew 23, about the heavy yoke that people aren't able to bear. That's what the Council of Jerusalem decided, that no, if we're going to reach the world with the gospel, we got to get rid of the heavy burden. And again, this isn't allowing anything goes morality. It's taking genuine morality and loading it up on people's backs so they can't take it. And hear this as clearly as possible. There is massive, massive millions of teen and young adult Catholics burning out, and it's due to too many regulations, too many rules, too many homiletic exhortations, too many catechetical instructions, and I'll include myself on this, too many radio broadcasts, all emphasizing doing stuff without an emphasis on grace. The key moment, the switch of which we wouldn't even be practicing Christians was decided that we shall be saved by the grace of God. And when you start adding to that, that God loves us because we do stuff, and if you start giving exhortations without emphasizing first and foremost that in order to do this, we need the grace of God to forgive us our past and to enable us for our future. We don't live the Christian life without Christ. And the switch goes off all the time. Oh, you know, uh, my kids are falling away, or at least my older kids fell away, so I got to do more stuff. No, that's <laughs> the switch is off. Turn the grace switch back on. And I'll tell you some of the most harmful speakers 
to Christian youth, Protestant and Catholic, chastity speakers. You think, Steve, now I know you are completely out of your mind. In a world where, like, chastity is almost ready to go into a total eclipse, you're saying, chastity speakers do harm? Yes, they do. Commonly do. Here's why. Listen to what St. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 15. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. St. Paul was saying the situation of someone falling into sin is compounded by simply giving the law without describing to them the power of the Holy Spirit and grace to fulfill that law. If somebody thinks, I, I got to do this, you've got to do this, you got to do that, you have to follow this, and, and if it's all that, it just doesn't work. And I make this very simple, but yet I've had a priest tell me this is really helpful. Whenever you're giving an exhortation, a moral exhortation, you got to be very careful that you're just not piling on rules and regulations, heavy burdens that somebody can't bear. So here's how you do it. It's called a grace burger. And the top bun, before you start talking about chastity in the modern world, because this is what's happened. The 21st century is so bad that self-effort isn't going to keep you on the straight and narrow. So you start with primacy, an exhortation to draw on Christ's grace, to trust Christ's grace, that Christ loves you, and because of that, he'll provide you the strength to live the life he wants you to live. That's grace. Okay, that's the top bun. Then you have the meat, the burger, whatever you want, your exhortation for chastity in the 21st century. And then before you say goodbye, because we have a faulty switch upstairs, you go back to the bottom bun for grace again, and you don't let them leave thinking, oh boy, I got to go do this. I got to go do that. No, first thing you got to do is connect with Jesus Christ. And the yoke means you're joined in covenant. You're joined in a relationship with him. And part of the incredibly good deal, you'll discover that Jesus is full of grace and truth and will enable you to do what he commands you to do. Otherwise, you're just putting a burden on people. I want to tell you about an experience I had at a Catholic conference, and very similar. I gave a talk similar to what I just have given you in this broadcast, and I gave a quotation from a tiny little book. I'm holding the very book in my hand entitled Introduction to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it was by then Cardinal Ratzinger and then Archbishop Christoph Schornborn. And the little book is basically telling what the whole catechism is about. And a lot of people don't get it. They don't get what the catechism is about. And when I got done with a talk very similar to what I just gave you in this broadcast and read this short paragraph, which I'm about to read to you, 
the organizers of the conference said that, no, we're going to have to sell any books other than ones you wrote at the conference. I said, well, order a lot of these because they're going to want them when I get done. And they ordered, I don't know, like three or four, and they were sold out in about two minutes. I had mobs of parents all around my book table with their phones taking pictures of this paragraph. Have you ever seen any Catholic conference, any speaker, with when he got done reading a short paragraph that all the, and particularly parents, wanting to take pictures of that page so they have it? Well, here it is. Only when he recognizes the supernatural power that flows from his being in Christ through the Holy Spirit can the faithful disciple of Christ make the effort with confident heart to practice the Christian life according to the Decalogue. Without a strong emphasis on grace, the precepts of the Decalogue, that's the Ten Commandments, seem to exceed our human capacity. That's it. And that's why all the smartphones were out. This was a very unique experience for me, seeing parents taking pictures of that page. And you're wondering why Catholic and other Christian youth in the 21st century are burning out because the pressures on them are stronger than they're capable of bearing. It's a too heavy yoke. It's not too heavy if you're yoked with Jesus and depending on him, not me, Faith is faith in Christ, not faith in me. And if Christ can give you the strength to do it. And again, I began this broadcast and the previous broadcast telling you that parents were desperate to know what it would be to keep kids faithful. And after explaining to them, I didn't think they got it at all because it's in a way it's too simple. And I'm going to read to you probably the simplest verse I know of in the entire New Testament. And it's the most important one. And every time the little switch in your head flips, when you're teaching your kids, you're exhorting a catechism class, or even in your own life, this is where you go to flip the switch back. It's found in St. John's first letter, first epistle, chapter 4, verse 19. And it goes like this, we love like obeying commandments, living the moral life. We love because he first loved us. Our Christian life is a response to knowing the love of God. We love because he first loved us. And if you got that, you need to know how Matthew 11 and 12 fit together and how to avoid it. Flip the switch back, 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 448 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.